Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. We read this portion of God's Word in connection with Lord's Day 45 of the Heidelberg Catechism, where the Catechism begins to teach us concerning Christian prayer. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, that is, Jesus, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? Shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? We read God's word that far this morning. It's on the basis of this passage of Scripture and all of Scripture that the Heidelberg Catechism begins to teach us concerning prayer in Lord's Day 45. Lord's Day 45. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because it is the chief part of thankfulness which God requires of us, and also because God will give his grace and Holy Spirit to those only who with sincere desires continually ask them of him and are thankful for them. 
What are the requisites of that prayer which is acceptable to God and which he will hear? And we will save this portion of the Lord's Day for next Sunday, Lord willing. First, that we from the heart pray to the one true God only, who hath manifested himself in his word, for all things he hath commanded us to ask of him. Secondly, that we rightly and thoroughly know our need and misery, that so we may deeply humble ourselves in the presence of his divine majesty. Thirdly, that we be fully persuaded that he, notwithstanding that we are unworthy of it, will, for the sake of Christ our Lord, certainly hear our prayer, as he has promised us in his word. What hath God commanded us to ask of him? All things necessary for soul and body, which Christ our Lord has comprised in that prayer he himself has taught us. What are the words of that prayer? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, on a particular occasion during the earthly ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, when he was praying himself personally in a certain place, we are told that after he prayed, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. What about us? Do we also come into the presence of our Lord this morning and ask him to teach us to pray? You're only going to ask the Lord to teach you to pray if you yourself actually desire to pray. And if you desire to grow in prayer, do you also make this petition? Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me what I should pray, how I should pray, when I should pray, why I should pray. Do you recognize in yourself that there's a lack in this area of your life, that there's a need for you to grow in this holy activity of communion with God. All of us need to be taught about prayer. All of us need to be exhorted regarding prayer. Not just when we are little children. That's a good time for us to be taught about prayer by our mother and father in the home. But even as adults, and even if we might appear to be very confident When we pray, all of us need to be taught and need to grow in prayer. You know, if our hearts are set upon the things of this earth, and if our hearts are set upon 
pleasures and treasures of this life more than on God, then there is going to be in our hearts very little interest in prayer and in communion with God. And if in our hearts we are really putting our trust in earthly powers, in man, in money, in medicine, in doctors, in technology, to help us in our lives, to save us in our lives, if that's where our heart is, if that's what we are trusting in, then we're going to see very little reason to say, Lord, teach me to pray. We're going to have very little use for supplication, very little use for prayer, if we put our trust in human powers. And then, too, we will devote very little time and energy to growing in prayer. However, if we are growing spiritually, if we are growing personally in thankfulness to God for all that he has done for us, and therefore setting our hearts upon things that are everlasting, the riches and treasures of heaven, and if we're growing in faith and growing in trust and growing in putting our trust and faith in the Lord, then we're going to find in our hearts an earnest longing to keep growing and an earnest longing to grow in prayer. And we're going to find the earnest petition on our lips. Lord, teach me, teach me to pray. With that in mind, let's begin to consider the topic of prayer this morning under the theme, Prayer Necessary for Christians. That's what we begin with this morning is the question, why? Why must I pray? And the Catechism gives two answers to that question. First of all, because it is the chief part of thankfulness. And secondly, because it is the way in which God wills to give his Holy Spirit. So let's begin with that catechism, with that question of the catechism. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? And the answer that the catechism gives, first of all, is because it is the chief part of thankfulness which God requires of us. Notice the answer of the catechism here is not that prayer is necessary for Christians because it is the chief ritual that we must perform. The chief ritual that God requires for us to do in order to appease his wrath, in order to merit his favor, in order to earn points as we try to climb the ladder up to heaven or up to nirvana. That's the view of prayer of the heathen. And that's the view of prayer of false Christians as well. That prayer is the chief ritual in our life. For us to gain favor with God, for us to merit his love and his grace, and to work our way toward that mystical spiritual experience of nirvana, or to work our way up to heaven itself. The Catechism does not give that as the answer, because for the Christian, that's not what prayer is. There is prayer out in the world. 
you can see unbelievers praying. People who say they believe in something, praying. But that prayer for them is a mere ritual. It's a a vain repetition. It's a mindless recitation of words. Or they believe it's a sort of magical incantation in order to get what they want in their life. The Catechism says, no, not that. And that's because of what prayer is in its very nature. What is Christian prayer? The the scriptures teach us in many, many places that for the Christian, prayer is the activity of drawing near to our God by faith. Prayer is drawing by faith into the presence of him whom we cannot see and him whom we have never seen, our God, our Father, who dwells in heaven, the invisible, omnipotent, invisible, uh, spiritual God, the God who has first drawn us near to himself into his covenant. Prayer is the activity of faith by which we, as it were, fly up on the wings of the Holy Spirit into the blessed presence of God himself in his throne room in heaven, in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. And there, as we enter into his presence, in heaven itself, by faith, we talk to him. Prayer is talking to God. It is communicating to God. It is unburdening ourselves to him. It is pouring out our soul to him. It is opening up our hearts to him and sharing with him the thoughts and the desires and the petitions and the thanksgiving and the adoration that is in our hearts. Prayer is the activity of fellowship and communion with God our Father. Prayer is the activity of that communion with God which is the very essence of the covenant relationship that he has established with us. That's what prayer is. And therefore, for the Christian... Prayer is as necessary and natural as the communion between a husband and wife or between a father and his children. Is it necessary for us as husbands to talk to our wives? Is it necessary for us as children to talk to our fathers and as fathers to talk to our children? And you say, well, of course. There's a relationship there. And in that relationship, we have communion with each other. We have conversation with each other. That's what prayer is. So, from a certain point of view, the question of the catechism is not even necessary to ask. We as Christians don't ask that question. We don't really ask, why do I have to pray? Because for us, prayer is that sweet communion with God that we love. Talking to the one in whom our souls delights. That's prayer. But the Catechism gives us an answer to that question. And in the first place, the answer is that prayer is necessary for us because it is the chief part of that thankfulness that God requires of us. Are we thankful to God? If we're thankful, then we pray. God himself shows us why we ought to be thankful to him through the preaching of his word, through the preaching of the scriptures. 
He does that, first of all, through the preaching of the great truths of who he is, the great truths of what he has done, the great truths that Jehovah God is the one true living God, and he has created the heavens and the earth by the word of his power, and the great truth of his providence, his sovereignty over all of creation, and that God by his providence rules and regulates and preserves the going up of the sun and the going down of the sun, so that all good things come to us, not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Sickness and health, riches and poverty, fruitful and barren years, rain and drought, all things, all good things, all adversities come to us from him. He is the fount of every good blessing. He is the fountain of everything good that we have. And so through the preaching of those truths of God's creation and God's providence, the Lord teaches us to be thankful. The Lord teaches us to pray, to give thanks to him for everything that we have. For our beloved husband or wife, our beloved dear children, our families, our jobs, our income, the food and drink that fills our tables and pantries. Through the preaching of the truth that God created all things and God gives you all those things, God teaches us, now pray and be thankful to me. But the Lord teaches us in a much deeper and richer way through the preaching of the truths of salvation how much we are to be thankful to him, doesn't he? It's through the preaching from the scriptures of the gospel of sin and grace that God really shows us that we ought to pray in thankfulness. Because it's through the proclamation of the gospel that God makes known to us how dreadful of sinners we are. He makes known to us the wretchedness, the vileness, the depth and the width and the breadth and the damnworthiness of every single sin that we commit. Every time we transgress the law of God. How wicked and how depraved we are. But then he comes and he proclaims to us the unfathomable riches of his love. His mercy and his grace toward us. Unworthy, undeserving sinners in Jesus Christ. That he has sent into this world his only begotten son. To lay down his life at the cross. To take all of those wretched, miserable, damn worthy sins on his shoulders. And to give himself on the cross. To give his blessed body to be broken and his blood to be shed for us. For those sins. Suffering what we deserve for those sins. Powerfully satisfying the justice of God and exhausting and appeasing all of his wrath and meriting for us everlasting righteousness and salvation. Christ merited it. Christ appeased God. Christ redeemed us. That's not what prayer is for. Christ did that. At the cross, he did all of it until it was finished and complete and he gives to us hope for salvation in the world to come. And he pours out upon us his grace and Holy Spirit as the earnest of that salvation. It's the glad tidings of salvation through Christ, 
through the cross, through the blood, through the love, through the sacrifice of Jesus, through the preaching of that gospel. That God shows us how thankful we are to be. And it's through that gospel that God compels us to be thankful. Think of that earlier Lord's Day, which says that this gospel does not make men careless and profane because it is impossible for those who have been engrafted into Christ by a true and living faith and received from Christ all righteousness and salvation and life and hope and joy. It's impossible for them not to bring forth fruits of thankfulness. Thankfulness. That's why it's necessary for us to pray. And God requires us to be thankful. It's just like in our homes when we were little children. Our parents taught us to be thankful to them. Our parents work for us. They give to us food and drink and clothing and protection and love and instruction and discipline. They guide us and they teach us. But then they say, and you have to learn to be thankful. You have to learn to say thanks to mom and dad for all that they have done for you because the home is a school for the Christian life. And so also God requires us to be thankful. Our father tells us, I have done such great things for you. Now be thankful to me. God has not redeemed us for nothing. He has not saved us from sin and death and woe appalling for nothing. But he has redeemed us so that we will be thankful, so that we will respond to him with hearts of overflowing joy and gratitude and show forth the praises of him who hath saved us from darkness into his marvelous light. And so he says in Psalm 100, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Psalm 107, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Colossians 4, verse 2, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God's will is that we pray in thanksgiving. Prayer is the chief part of thankfulness. The whole Christian life is to be a response of overflowing joy and thankfulness to God, but prayer is the crown and the chief part of that Christian life. Why? Because of what prayer is. Prayer is flying up into heaven by faith through the power of the Spirit and entering into the throne room of God and there beholding our God and Savior in all of His glory as it were face to face to acknowledge Him and to give unto Him the glory that is due unto His name and to extol Him and to magnify Him and to praise Him for all of His wondrous, mighty acts. That's what prayer 
is. That's what God wants from us. Not mindless rituals. Not vain repetitions. Not just reciting the words. He wants us to come before his presence and to say thanks. And to adore him. One of the ways that sometimes we seek to remind ourselves of the proper components of prayer is by the word acts. Maybe some of you have heard that before. A-C-T-S. What should I pray? Our Lord teaches us that in the model prayer. And when you look at the rest of Scripture too, and you look at all of the Word of God, you can summarize it as A, adoration. C, confession of my sins. T, thanksgiving. And S, supplication. When we talk in the first point of the sermon about prayer as the chief part of our thankfulness to God, we're talking about the A and the T. Why must we pray? A, Adoration. Why must we come before the face of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, on his throne, our gracious and merciful Heavenly Father? We are to come there to adore him. Do we do that in our prayers? Adoration means that in our prayers, we glorify him. We praise him. We point out all of his marvelous, mighty works and deeds, his creation of the world, his providence over all things, his miracles, his work through Jesus Christ, his promises, his riches. We adore him. Because all of those works reveal God to us. They reveal all of his attributes, his virtues, his powers and wisdom and knowledge. That's why God created us. That's why we exist. To show forth the praises of God. Why is prayer necessary? T. Thanksgiving. Which means that in our prayers we not only adore him and point out all of his virtues and his, his, his wonders and deeds, but we, we list one by one by one all the riches and blessings and promises and gifts that he has bestowed upon us. I've heard it said once that a certain Christian woman would go for a walk every day. And she would walk first one way and then turn the corner and walk that way. And then she would walk back to her house. And her method of praying on that walk was, on the first stretch of her walk, from there, point A to point B, she would spend the whole time giving thanks for all of the blessings God had bestowed on her life. And then, on her way back to her house, 
She would spend that in a time of supplication. But the interesting thing that she found was this. That after she had given thanks on the first part of her walk, as a regular occurrence, on the way back she found she had nothing left to pray for. After she had given thanks for all that God had done for her, she found, God has given me everything. I have all. I abound. Something to be learned there for us. Another thing for us to remember in regard to prayer as thankfulness is that singing is a form of prayer. Not all singing, but singing is a way of praying to God. When we sing to the Lord, we're praying to him with music. What a delightful and wonderful way, isn't it? Isn't it one of the most delightful ways to offer up prayers of thankfulness to God is to sing to him. Like Psalter number 206, To thee, O God, we render thanks. To thee give thanks sincere, because thy wondrous works declare that thou art ever near. We pray those psalms every Sunday. We pray eight of them, plus our doxologies. And we pray with robustness. I hear that. We pray with, with joy. And those prayers are our expressions of thankfulness to God from our heart. Are we thankful to God? Wherever thanklessness takes root in our heart, wherever there is ingratitude in our life, or in a certain stage of our life, wherever that is happening to us and in us, there's going to be a very small and a declining prayer life. Little thankfulness, little prayer. Little thankfulness, a declining prayer life. Wherever there is ingratitude in your heart and in my heart, today God rebukes it. And he commands us to repent of our ingratitude. We know that we have ingratitude in our lives if we find that we are spiritually lackadaisical, complacent, at ease in Zion, at ease in the church presumptuous, and very little interest in growing in the Christian life. God rebukes that. And God's purpose of rebuking us is that he loves us. And as our Father, he's teaching us, don't find your joy in the pleasures and treasures of the world that perish. Turn your face upon Jesus and look into his glorious and beautiful face and meditate on the glories of the world to come and be thankful. That first of all. Now, the Heidelberg Catechism teaches us that there's another reason 
why prayer is necessary for Christians. It's because God will give his grace and Holy Spirit to those only who with sincere desires continually ask them of him and are thankful for them. The reason prayer is necessary is not only for A and T, adoration and thanksgiving, but also for C and S, confession of my sins and supplication. That also. That's what the Catechism is talking about here when it says, God will give his grace and Holy Spirit to those who with sincere desires continually ask them of him. It's talking about supplication. It's talking about petition. God wants us to ask for things, for the things that we need, for the soul and the body, as his children. And God promises to give us what we need in the way of asking. That's his way. That's his good pleasure. Luke 11, which we read, verses 9 through 10. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, and by that he means every Christian, every child of God who asks, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. That is, every child of God who has the Holy Spirit in his heart, who seeks God, finds what he seeks. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. That is, not the unbeliever who by his free will knocks, but the believer who has the Holy Spirit in his heart, who knocks, who comes to the throne room of God and knocks, it will be opened to him. Jesus promises that. And that beautiful Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, where the apostle says, Be careful for nothing. And by that he means, don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, he writes, If any of you lack wisdom, do you lack wisdom? Of course, we all do. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, James says. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Now let's understand this properly as best as we can this morning. The Catechism certainly is not teaching here that we must pray because through prayer and particularly through persistent, constant knocking, knocking, knocking on the throne room of God and constant asking 
we can change God's mind somehow and convince him to give us something that he doesn't want to give us. That's certainly not what it means. And I bring that up because that's a very popular view of prayer. A very popular view is that the reason we are to pray is because through prayer, we can actually change God's mind. As if God sends us a sickness or an affliction in our life, we have a grievous trial and adversity in our life, and we think that if we pray hard enough, and if we pray often enough, and if we get enough people to pray with us, and if we storm the gates of heaven, so to speak, and we pound on the door of heaven, God eventually will change his mind about that sickness and give us healing. Or God will give us something that he doesn't want to give us. Something that we really want. The scriptures don't teach that. The catechism isn't teaching that here either. God doesn't change. He never changes. And we know the Bible says here and there that God repents or God grieves, things like that. But in the light of the whole of Scripture, we understand those are figurative ways of speaking about God to help us understand. But in himself, in his being, God never changes, and he doesn't have to change because he's perfect. And God has in himself an eternal, perfect plan for your life and for my life. Every single day, every moment, every trial, every affliction, every sin, every joy, every pleasure, every success, all of it, all of it is planned. And it's perfect. We don't pray in order to change his mind, in order to change his plan about us. That would be dreadful because his plan is already perfect. And that's a great comfort, isn't it? Imagine that you're trying to change God's mind about something in your life. God, you're trying to change his mind. Our Lord Jesus teaches us we have the great comfort. He says in Matthew 6, take no thought about what you will eat or what you will drink or what clothes you will put on. And Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be worried about the trials and troubles in your life, your Father in heaven knows exactly what you need and when you need it and how you need it better than you. Sometimes when we're young, we think that we need a relationship. We need a boyfriend or a girlfriend in our life. Maybe even we really want a specific boyfriend or a specific person as our girlfriend. We pray, pray, pray for that person to become our boyfriend or girlfriend. And we think we know what's best. We're convinced in our mind, that's the person, that's the one. But we might be wrong. God is never wrong. God knows exactly what we need, when we need it, who we need, and when we need those people. Or we can get cancer. Or heart disease or some other problem and sickness. And we might be convinced that this is not right. This isn't right. I'm not supposed to die yet. 
And we might pray and pray and pray, and other people might pray for us. And everybody's praying. Everybody's trying to change God's mind and to reverse the direction of our life and to give us healing. If that's what's in our mind when we pray, that's a mistake. God knows better. He knows best. And it could be his will that through cancer we're going to die, but through death we're going to pass into glory. And be with Christ, which is so much better. So that's a mistake. That's not what the catechism is saying. Nevertheless, the catechism and the scriptures and our Lord Jesus himself are teaching us to pray in supplication and petition, to bring our requests to God for the felt needs that we experience, the needs that we experience and believe that we have in our bodies and in our souls, and that includes healing from sickness. That includes our daily bread. That includes all the spiritual needs that we have. God wants us to pray for them. He wants us to pray continually and sincerely and fervently Jesus teaches the parable in the passage that we read of a man who has a friend come to him at midnight and he doesn't have any food in the house. And he wants to be able to feed this traveling friend, but he doesn't have anything. So he goes to his friend next door and he knocks on his door, but the man is already asleep in bed with his children. And he knocks on the door. And Jesus says, the man who is in bed with his children in his house He's not going to get out of bed and give you the bread just because he's your friend. But, because of your importunity, because you keep knocking on the door, because you're persistent, he will get out of bed. He will give you what you're asking. Now that's a human illustration, and the difference is that in the parable you change the man's mind. In prayer, we don't change God's mind. Nevertheless, God will have us to pray continually, persistently, fervently, sincerely. Not for the things that we want to have a richer, more luxurious life on this earth. For necessities, for body and soul. And God is pleased to give us those things that we ask for in the way of our asking. Now again, this doesn't mean that prayer becomes the condition that we must fulfill as if it all depends upon our act of prayer. As if God is in heaven waiting, waiting, waiting for us to pray. And he's not going to give us anything at all until we pray. That's certainly not the meaning either. Prayer is not a condition, just as there are no conditions at all. If what you mean by condition is that it's something that we must do, and it all depends on that before God will give us what we need. Or, to put it differently, prayer is not like some lever that we have to pull down. As if God is this machine with all the goods, and prayer is the lever. And you pull the lever, and if you pull the lever mechanically, then automatically out come the goods. 
That's not prayer. If we're praying with that kind of a mindset, it's a worthless prayer. No, but we have to remember what prayer is. Prayer is a spiritual activity of faith in which we draw near, we fly up on the wings of the Spirit into the throne room of God and standing before God, our Father, we ask Him for the things that we need. That's what God wants. That's how He is pleased to give us what we need in the way of prayer. That's how we are to understand the Catechism and what our Lord Jesus teaches us as well. Just as our parents are pleased to have us children ask for the things that we need. Again, what we need. Parents don't like it when children are constantly badgering them for things they don't need. But parents do want us to ask for what we need. So our Lord teaches in Luke 11, verse 11 through 13, If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give a serpent? Or if he ask for an egg, Father, may I have an egg? I'm hungry, Father. May I have an egg? May I have a piece of bread, Father? May I have a a glass of water? I'm thirsty, Father. Jesus says, if you then who are evil, you're evil, but you know how to give good things to your children. And how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? Powerful teaching and comforting for us to remember that the one to whom we pray is our Father. He wants us to pray. He wants to give us all that we need in the way of prayer. Finally, let's notice that the Catechism and the Scripture here focuses on our spiritual needs. That's a good reminder. I don't know about you, but I often find that in our prayers we give thanks and prayers often for earthly things. And that's not wrong. But sometimes our prayers are almost so burstingly full of earthly concerns that the spiritual things are just left as a a little afterthought almost. But the catechism and the scriptures emphasize praying for our spiritual needs. God will give his grace. Catechism doesn't even mention daily bread yet. God will give his grace and his Holy Spirit to those who sincerely and continually ask for them. His grace and Holy Spirit. And that's what our Lord teaches in Luke 11 as well. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? The Holy Spirit. Our spiritual needs could be summed up in a variety of ways. And one of those ways is this. Justification and sanctification. That's one way to summarize all of our spiritual needs. Why must we pray? Because God will give his grace and Holy Spirit, which will give us the blessings of justification and sanctification, 
in the way of prayer. Why? Why is that? It's because God in his sovereign and eternal good pleasure, before the world was even founded, determined that he would not give to his children all the blessings of salvation at once, as one drop. If he did, then why are we still here? If we've already received all the riches of, of salvation, why are we still here? Why aren't we in heaven? It's because God has determined from all eternity that he wouldn't do that. But he has determined that for the greatest glory of his name, each one of his children, to a shorter or longer degree, would live a life on this earth. And that he would give us the blessings of salvation first, in principle, at regeneration. All of it there, in the form of a little seed, at regeneration. He drops the seed into our heart. All of it's there. But then, that he would give us those blessings of salvation more and more throughout our life. How? By faith alone. In Christ alone. By faith. And in the way of repentance. Not by repentance. Not because of repentance. In the way of repentance and in the way of prayer, not because of prayer, not by means of prayer, in the way of prayer, by faith, in the way of repentance, the way of repentance and the way of prayer. That's how God determines to give us the blessings of salvation until we finish living our life here below and then to give all the fullness and heavenly glory. That's God's way. God has determined that each of us would live a life here below, and he would give us the blessing of justification again and again and again, by faith, in the way of repentance, and in the way of prayer. God justified us once, long ago, by faith. The first time we became conscious of that justification was when we first heard the gospel with a true and living faith. And by faith embraced Christ, we experienced justification for the first time. But now we keep sinning. And we come back to church. We hear the gospel. We hear the declaration of our righteousness in Christ. We believe. And it's by faith that we pray. We pray for the forgiveness of our sins. And God forgives us. That's God's way. When we ask for the forgiveness of sins, we receive it. We don't receive it because we prayed. We receive it not by means of prayer. We receive it by faith in the way of prayer. What about sanctification? We struggle, don't we? We sin, we doubt, we fear, we're tempted, we want to do what is good and right, but we fail 
and we fall, and so we pray. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And if you look at all, almost all of the petitions, the six petitions that we're going to look at, the fifth petition is for justification, forgive us. And the other five petitions, all of them, in some way or other, point to the life of sanctification. Not just that, but also that. We pray to God for his grace and Holy Spirit so that we might be able to hallow his name, so that we might be able to submit to his kingdom, so that we might be able to do his will, so that we might be able to resist temptation and evil and do what is good and right. All those petitions are to live a new and godly life. Prayer. Prayer is one of the weapons that God has placed in the armory of the Christian as we battle through this world. The Catechism is very clear in this Lord's Day that God will give his grace and Holy Spirit to those only who with sincere desires continually ask them of him and are thankful. So are we praying with sincere desires? Are we praying continually? Are we praying in thankfulness? That's the will of God for us as Christians. So let's go out of the house of God this morning, hearing the admonition of our Lord. Ask and the promise, it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we thank thee for the gift of prayer. We confess how woefully we fall short of using this good gift. Teach us to pray. Teach us not only to know how to pray, what to pray, but teach us to actually pray, to fill our life with prayer, to delight in prayer, to enjoy the sweet hour of prayer, and to have a proper understanding that when we pray, we need not be afraid because the one to whom we pray is our beloved Father. And grant us all our petitions, Father, when we ask in faith, not doubting.